We're going to interrupt your favorites this afternoon uh, for a few minutes. We have John McCutcheon in the studio this afternoon. Thanks so much for stopping by, John. On my way to Monaco, how could I not stop by? And uh, we're going to start off by hearing a little song from John, and then uh, we'll talk some more. A very little song. One I uh, wrote as I approached my 50th birthday. When I was a little boy, sitting on my grandpa's knee, he tossed my hair and asked me, what are you going to be? But when I was a little boy, was too busy being small I didn't know he was my rearview mirror I was his crystal ball But now I'm pushing 50 It's all gone quicker than I planned I finally understand It's time to wonder what I'm gonna be When I grow up When I grow up When I grow up When I grow up I wanna be I wanna be I want to be character, a cantankerous soft touch, kind of guy who tells the same three sorry jokes and who always tips too much. want to be unpredictable, there never know what I might say or do. His stories aren't factual, but they're true. Never be caught in a rut when I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, when I grow up, I want to be. I want to be an unrepentant romantic Kind of guy whose dancing is inspired Who'll go to bed early on a Saturday night And not because he's tired I want to be sentimental Kind of guy who'll cry at a book sad ending Who's constantly befriending Some poor flea-bitten mutt When I grow up And I want to be an elder Kind of guy all the neighborhood kids come see I sit on your knee Won't you tell me one story, please? Wanna be wise It's so much better than being smart Leading with your heart I'll be a guy who trusts his gut When I grow up When I grow up When I grow up when I grow up, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be, I want to be an old fart, kind of guy who hangs around hardware stores, will always call a waitress by her name and who knows all the latest scores. I want to be eccentric, they'll say my ideas are a little bit skewed, to the papas I will be rude, to the powerful of pain in the butt when I grow up. Wonderful. We have John McCutcheon in the studios this afternoon, and uh, thanks so much for being here once again, John. Oh, thanks a lot. It's nice to be here in Rhinelander, and I I couldn't help but uh, do that song because it starts off with a reference to my grandfather, who was from Tomahawk. All right, and you also have some uh, northern Wisconsin, some roots here. You you grew up in the Wausau area, I grew right? I up in the Wausau area, and... Uh, um, that's where I started playing music when I was a kid. Went down, got a guitar, went down to the local library, checked out a book um, on of folk songs, and uh, started banging away on a cheap little mail order guitar. And uh, the rest, as they say, is history. 
I did want to ask you about that because uh, you're kind of a folk music legacy at this point. Uh, I think you're about to release your 37th recording. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was I was raised before Ritalin. I have, you know, no control over all that stuff. <laughs> and so uh, I did want to ask about that. I mean, take us back to that time. How did this come about? How did you get involved in, in the folk music scene? Well, I turned 14 in, in uh, 1966, and, and the people out there are, are quickly taking out their calculators. Um, and I got a guitar for my 14th birthday. And um, like a lot of kids back then, it was, this, was, this was back when you could hear folk music on the radio, on AM radio, pretty regularly. There was, a, there was even a, 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 a show called Hootenanny on television. Um, and... You know, people like Bob Dylan uh, were just getting started. So there were a lot of us young kids, especially if a kid like Bob Dylan from up in the Hibbing area could could play the guitar and write songs with whole worlds in them. Uh, why couldn't a kid from Wausau do the same thing? So um, I started playing, started writing uh, really, really bad songs when I was a teenager. and um, Like how bad? <laughs> Bad enough that my best friend from back then claims to have a cassette of all of the songs I wrote in high school, and if we ever have a falling out, it's going on eBay. <laughs> That's how bad. I see, so, so she might use it to blackmail yeah, you. Yeah. Uh, but I started playing the banjo when I was about 18, and, you know, growing up, you know, playing a banjo in the state of Wisconsin is like, at that point in time, was like the ultimate in cultural denial. So I convinced my um, college advisor to let me take a three-month independent study to hitchhike around the Appalachians and hang out with banjo players. And um, it's a three-month independent study that I'm still on over 40 years later. And so um, how, I mean, who did you kind of learn from when you were first uh, first learning the banjo and, and doing that kind of uh maybe apprenticeship or, or just informal study with uh, folks in the mountains there. Well, this would be a perfect time. Oh, look, there's a banjo over here. <laughs> it's coming out. <laughs> uh, a, a, a beautiful banjo. Is that mahogany or, um, or some kind of dark wood? Uh, yeah, I think so. That's maple on the neck. But um, I... Um, let, let me uh, use this beautiful banjo to uh, play a song about that period of time. Uh, the, the people that I was hanging out with were uh, retirees and farmers and housewives and day laborers and an awful lot of them were coal miners. And, uh, and I made tape recordings. I, I was fastidious about that, uh, of these people, so that I could remember how they played what they played and years later found a box of the recordings and all that time later what was most interesting to me was were the conversations that we had in between the music which was very revealing about their lives and uh, so this is something that came from that oh i gotta roll up my sleeve here sorry This is actually a combination of characters um, that told me about when the very first coal mines came into eastern Kentucky. When I 
was your age. Company came to town, waving fists of greenbacks. We all signed up and went down. We each knew less than nothing about the jobs we had to do. They fed us to that mountain. It was first one shift, then two. When I was your age. your age. It was 50 cents a ton. The youngest and the oldest, they could barely manage one. And the company ran the scales, so we knew they cheated light. Didn't take us long to figure there's gonna be a fight. When I was your age, when I was your age, it was fire in the hole, aching in our bellies, Trouble in our soul And we heard the news from Harlan From Perry County too When the Pinkertons showed up We knew just what we had to do When I was your age You grew up overnight Strangers stalked the streets by day And threatened us by night When the scabs showed up to steal our jobs We ran them out of town Gave as good as what we got By God, we beat him down When I was your age When I was your age We mined the coal in seas Today they throw our mountains down And fill up all our streams My lungs broken down Now when the union's on the run and I still got my pride I still got my gun why you have no choice or chance and you just swallow all their lies if my life has any meaning if i can save my soul don't go underground my boy don't go to the cold like when i was your age Wonderful. Well, I'm a particular fan of, uh, of the Clawhammer banjo. I play a little myself, so I particularly enjoyed that one. <laughs> well, thanks. But that was, that's, those are the kind of people that I hung out with. They were not professional musicians uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, some of them had been recorded and, and had uh, traveled widely, um, but had not made their, living, their entire living uh, playing music at all. Um, and um, I just fell in love with the area and with the music and with the lack of a 10-month winter and uh, ended up uh, staying in that part of the world, which is, has been my home for these last four decades. Well, we're glad you could uh, make a trip to Wisconsin uh, every, every once in a while to uh, play for us here in the Northwoods. Um, so thinking back to that time when you were a student and doing some uh, maybe a apprenticeship or, or field recordings mm -hmm. of uh, people in Appalachia. How, how has your music changed since then? I mean, many years have passed. You've, 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 you've put out over 30 recordings. <laughs> um, do you think about how, I mean, has, has there been a lot of evolution in that time? 
Well, people tend to think of of an artist's career being a very linear thing. Like you you start with one thing and you abandon that for the next thing in line. Um, I've never had that sense um, of once you learn to do something new that everything that went before it is obsolete. Um, I still, you know, I started off playing banjo and fiddle and guitar, acoustic instruments. I've made records with full rock and roll bands and horn sections and, and written songs that fit into that world. But that doesn't mean that the next album that I was going to do wouldn't be fiddle and banjo tunes. Uh, music is, uh, what I've learned through my life is music is too diverse and too um, wonderfully integrated to be divided up. That's for marketers to do when you go into the CD store. Remember CD stores? When you go into the CD store and you're looking for, in the jazz bin because that's what you think you want or you're looking in the blues or the rock and roll or the folk music or the bluegrass or the Cajun or, or uh, world music. So uh, it's been affected too by the fact that I've traveled all over the world playing my music and the great thing about folk music it is the root of all the world's music um, and it's common to every culture. So I have I remember being in a little banana leaf hut in rural Nicaragua recording um, a fellow by the name of Tata Beto, who was the most revered traditional musician in the entire country. And I got done recording him, and, he, and the whole community was there, and, they, and he slapped his knees and said, now you play me some of your music. <laughs> and uh, so I sang him the song John Henry. Uh, about the steel driving man that gave up his life to save the jobs of everyone in his community. And then I translated it for him because I sang it in English. And after a pregnant pause, he nodded his head thoughtfully and said, ah, yes, we have that man here too. So there's, there's a commonality. You know, I've traveled all over the world and never felt like a tourist. And I bring stuff back with me. I mean, uh, I've done recordings that, that incorporate you know, didgeridoos right alongside mountain dulcimers. And, and uh, it's somehow, uh, it somehow works. And it's, it's all a part of what makes up the music I do now. And you write a lot of uh, your own songs. I mm -hmm. mean, a lot of folk musicians I hear are playing uh, songs in a sort of traditional canon or, you know, that that their their authorship is is varied or it's not known or the, right. or the songs are so old that we don't know who wrote them some, in some cases but you do a lot of uh, original writing and it seems like uh, your lyrics definitely are commenting on politics or or other current cultural issues um, can you talk about the role of that sort of social commentary or also storytelling that that seems to be present in a lot of your music. Well, I'm certainly not alone in that regard. Uh, people have been um, have been doing that kind of commentary with music um, in all, in almost every genre for generations. Uh, Beethoven changed uh, the dedication to one of his pieces of music that he had dedicated to Napoleon when Napoleon acted in ways that he didn't approve of. There were things called broadsides that were uh, newspaper reporting in the form of songs, which was made sense to an illiterate society. You know, someone would get hanged publicly, and then all of a sudden some guy would come along and say, here is his last words put into song. And uh, that kind of stuff has been done. Uh, people look to, I think, 
have looked to music as a storytelling vehicle, um, something that, that connects us. I, I mean, I can show you an example of something very recent. Um, uh. And a part of this is, was, is affected by the fact that that book that I checked out from the Marathon County Public Library back in, 19, in August of 1966 uh, was entitled Woody Guthrie Folk Songs. And Woody Guthrie was, um, was someone who wrote songs about everything for everybody. Uh, he wrote historical songs and he wrote topical songs and he wrote um, children's songs and he wrote love songs and it was... Uh, and, and sort of singing my way through that book was not only instruction in the guitar, but in what the writer's role is. It, uh, and Woody frequently com uh, commented on, uh, on the news. And, uh, and so um, here's something I wrote uh, not that long ago. Our mothers taught us back in our homes the lesson of the sticks and stones. Words have no power to cause us wounds, but they forgot about cartoons. The cowards came with flame and blood, swept the defenseless in the flood. The Muslim man, the infidel, this is the news we're here to tell. That we are laughing through our tears, we'll not reward you with our fears. We are strong, we are free, and we are many, just sweet Charlie. That we must speak Fear is the weapon Of the weak The pen is mighty And love is strong We wield the power Of the song Still we are laughing Through our tears We'll not reward you With our fears We are strong We are free And we are many just sweet Charlie There are no virgins awaiting you No great war when you are through Your sin has left you unredeemed It is you who has blasphemed again with gun and fist we will not bow we will resist for each that falls a million rise and you will find to your surprise that we are laughing through our tears will not reward you 
with our fears we are strong we are free and we are many just sweet charlie we are strong we are free just sweet charlie talking with John McCutcheon this afternoon here at our WXPR studios and uh, hearing a song that you must have written very recently. Um, yeah, yeah, I wrote it the, uh, actually the morning of the, the big demonstration in Paris in, in late January. When, when things in the news happen, um, do you always know right away if you're going to write a song about it? Is there a certain uh, instinct you have? Well, it... it I do it for um, sometimes just to, you know, opine. Other times uh, I see a really good story, and it's often not front page news, uh, that I think deserves to be heard beyond the inevitable death of the 24 hour news cycle. Uh, you know, you report something here on the radio, and tomorrow it's old news and it's never going to be reported or heard again. Um, with rare exception, but some I I'll, I'll hear a story and think I can sing about that every night. People need to know that story, so I feel like I'm kind of performing a rescue operation <laughs> for some. But some stuff like that, you just you know, there's some things that are just worth a song. And uh, you all you you mentioned that you're about to release a new recording. Um, Soon. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, the, the official release date on this album is May 1st, May Day. Um, and there's a reason for that. Uh, but it's actually going to be in my hands a week from today, I just learned. Because you have to have some lead-up time for promotion and everything. And this is, uh, this is an album of songs I did not write. But they were all written by one person. Um, a fellow by the name of Joe Hill. Um, some of your listeners may recognize that name. Uh, Joan Baez saying, I dreamed I saw Joe Hill last night alive as you and me at Woodstock. And it was the first time uh, lots of people heard that name. He was a songwriter for the Industrial Workers of the World, an early trade union back 100 years ago. And this was a real singing union. And what Joe Hill did is he took songs that were popular in the day that people that workers would know and he would write words that were specific to given situations usually strikes and labor actions um, uh, and and these were songs that people already knew the melodies of so that he would have these topical lyrics that they would sing and peep it was a real singing union it was a remarkable remarkable thing and um Hill was, uh, died a hundred years ago this year. And um, a couple of years ago, I put out an album in honor, honor of Woody Guthrie's 100th birthday and thought that Joe Hill was the guy who, who, who created this template in American music for writing satire based on popular songs that were specific to working class issues. And 
um, Woody Guthrie copied him. Bob Dylan copied Woody Guthrie. Pete Seeger copied Woody Guthrie. Lead Belly. And people like me learned from all of them. And so uh, this was a little bit of a tribute to uh, the deepest of the roots. So anyway, I just happened to have a CD. This is the world debut. We are excited. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, so this is a this is um, a piece that Joe Hill wrote in 1912. He was working with a group of 8,000 railroad workers that were on strike against the Canadian National Railroad. And um, many of them were Irish immigrants. And so he took a series of Irish songs and wrote words specific to this particular strike, uh, which was along the Fraser River area. So this is uh, overalls and snuff. And we followed up. I had some friends there. And we followed up with a good Irish tune called The Connickman's Rambles. Okay, we're going to hear the sneak peek here. And fight with all our might It's a case of no surrender We've got to win this fight From these gunny sack contractors We will take no more guff And we won't build no more railroads For our overalls and snuff For our overalls and snuff For our overalls and snuff We won't build no more railroads For our overalls and snuff For our overalls and snuff For our overalls and snuff no, we won't build no more railroads for our overalls and snuff.
That was a song from John McCutcheon's forthcoming album, Joe Hill's Last Will. And you're listening to 91.7 FM, WXPR Rhinelander, also heard at 100.9 FM, Ironwood Hurley, and on the web at wxpr.org. Thank you so much uh, for being here, John. We really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Let's do it again. And uh, we appreciate you coming by on your way to your show at the Campanile Center tonight. So thanks to our listeners, and we'll turn it back over to your favorites and Keith Miller's show.